When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, and welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for August 25th, 2021. I am your host, Janet Garcia, and joining me is Andy Cortez. Que pinchona. What's good? What's good? It's another Minority Report. It is two weeks in a row. And yeah. here's the funniest thing about all this. Well, I'm sure you'll get into the news. We'll talk about that funny thing later in the news, I'm sure, Janet. Why? What's up? Blastoise is now part of Pokemon Unite. Isn't that crazy? Oh, no, I don't have oh, that in there. That's shit. great. No, please. Shit, is like, when did this happen? I, I'm just I'm just scrolling through the internet at night or, or, or earlier this morning because, you know, sometimes I wake up at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning for no reason. As one and does. I'm scrolling through and I see Blastoise doing cool moves in Pokemon Unite. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so wild that last Wednesday I'm up here saying, where the hell is Blastoise at? The people want Blastoise. You did it. And look at that. It took a week of development time, uh, but it's here now. <laughs> On behalf of the community, we yeah. willed Blastoise. Congratulations, everybody. Give it up who's, for who's to say what's going to come out of this one now as a result? Since <laughs> we obviously have direct control over the news, which brings me to today's stories, which include Halo Infinite's leaked release date, Activision Blizzard allegedly withholding and suppressing evidence, IGN republishing its post on Palestine, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, where each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you can correct us wrong when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. To be part of the show, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where bronze members or above get to write in, and silver members or above get the show ad-free, along with the exclusive daily post-show. Some housekeeping for you. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by DoorDash, Away, and Amazon Music, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Kicking it off with Halo Infinite, December 8th release date will reportedly be announced today. This comes over from The Verge, which writes, Halo Infinite will launch on December 8th. The date appeared on the Microsoft Store today and will likely be officially confirmed later today during the opening of Gamescom. A source familiar with Microsoft's plans tells The Verge that December 8th is accurate. Microsoft had originally planned to launch Halo Infinite alongside the Xbox Series X slash S in November 2020, but delayed the game to fall 2021 due in part to the challenges of game development during the pandemic. Halo Infinite's development has clearly been bumpy, and Microsoft even assigned Bungie veteran Joseph Staten to head up game development oh, nearly a year ago. While we haven't seen a great deal of the campaign gameplay since the infamous Craig meme was born last year, <laughs> the first multiplayer, who could forget, the first multiplayer technical preview 
looked and just and felt just like Halo fan what Halo fans will have been enjoying playing. The official launch date comes just days after 343 Industries revealed Halo Infinite won't launch with a campaign co-op and Forge. Uh, cooperative play with friends should arrive in Season 2 of Halo Infinite, approximately three months after launch, and the Forge mode, which is what allows players to customize and share maps, won't arrive until Season 2 of Halo Infinite, around six months after launch. Halo's campaign, co-op, and Forge mode are popular parts of the franchise, so the news understandably disappointed fans, but the main Halo Infinite campaign and multiplayer mode is launching on December 8th, so fans will get a taste of new Halo in less than four months. Does this alleged date surprise you? Is it a win? Is it still like not that great because it's missing stuff? What's your read on it? Uh, it? It can. I think it can be both things. I think one thing from yesterday, we were all kind of noticeably disappointed in the lack of Halo. And I had mentioned during our discussion afterwards, all Xbox and Microsoft have to do is say, hey, everybody, for the first night that we're doing Xbox Gamescom, there will be no Halo news. And then we'll all say, ooh, that might be on Wednesday then, right? That's got to be the case. And then we'll likely, you know, we'll, we should be less bitchy because we were pretty bitchy after hearing no Halo news. Um, I think this can, I think there are different degrees of good and bad with this. Um, I'm excited that we're actually getting a date. I'm excited that they're sticking to it. Um, I do love hearing Joseph Satin say, hey, the campaign is fun as hell and I've played through it and it's really great. And I hope that that means that everything since then has just been a lot of polishing. Um, but now that we're sort of here and it's so close and it's it's that date is slowly is, is quickly coming towards us. I think it's not horrible that Forge mode isn't there at the start. I think campaign co-op is a noticeable disappointment. But Forge mode, I think, is something that could be really neat to get fans back in as opposed to everybody. The game's here day one. Here's here's all of it. The whole buffet. Eat fucking all you want. And then you eat all you want. And then the game dies out. And then it's like, where's more content? Give us more content. Give us more content. And I think this will be sort of a nice little boost to get more players back in after the launch has come and gone. Um, I'm so excited to get to this campaign. I, I I'm excited to see hopefully more of a look at it today um because apparently yeah that is the news that we'll we'll be getting that today so I, i'm very excited janet very excited do you think that given the history of the like release dates and then things getting pushed back and things changing do you feel conf how confident do you feel in them hitting these marks of three months after launch and six months after launch for campaign co-op and forge respectively um i mean i think that <laughs> i don't feel super confident in the three and six months after launch because I think that's way too short of a delay. It's like saying I just need a couple extra weeks on it. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's long enough of an estimation. That could just be something to get people to chill out and say, all right, it's on the way. We'll, we'll, we'll relax over here. I'll wait to play campaign with my friends or whatever. I do think that that's a really short time frame. But it could just be polished stuff. It could just be... Let's get the in the infrastructure down. Let's make sure this game sings and plays really smoothly and well with your friends whenever you're playing online. I can't really think of what there would be left to work on uh, in that short of amount of a time frame. You know, that's the thing that does kind of worry me. Yeah, I, I feel kind of similarly. Like, I think, too, a lot of times we've seen companies release roadmaps for their games and have them be a little bit more of like an approximation than something that is a guaranteed rollout um though i guess it also depends on like 
what their plan is and how elaborate it is, you know, with like things that have gotten ongoing support, like something, sim well, not simple, but like Smash with like the character rolls out. Those have been like pretty strategic and slow paced, but those are like one character dropped into an already established game versus like an entire portion. Um, given that we and it initially was supposed to hit like launch and then it got delayed all the way up into, you know, supposedly like the end of this year. Are you shocked by that size of a gap when they originally delayed it? Did you know that it was like, did you have a sense that it would take up to a year or was this like way longer than you expected it to be? It seemed like it was more than troubled enough leading up to that initial date. So I wasn't really shocked by that. I I estimated longer than a year and it is, you know, it ended up being a, a little, maybe a month over a year or whatever. But it just seemed like everything leading up to that and all the reports that were happening before we got that first initial release date, that there were already enough problems. This was never a polishing thing. This was, I feel more of a, um, we're trying to get the feeling of this right as opposed to, oh, you know what? Let's let's tweak some engine lighting a bit more. Like I, I, when it's issues like that, if players are having issues with how the materials are feeling, you can change the way materials feel and look in certain lighting in a couple of weeks, and that takes some testing, and then you push through that update, and then you try it out and go, oh, you know what? Yeah, the, the gun actually looks better in this lighting. But it seemed like there was a lot more going wrong than just... I don't like the way this Craig's face guy, I don't like the way this alien's face looks. You know what I mean? Like there were more inherent problems happening. And I think Microsoft took the necessary, or 343 took the necessary year off to sort of address those issues and figure out, okay, aside from Craig, we have other shit going on here. Let's try to address those and fix them and make sure that this could be the, make sure that this is the best launch that it could possibly be. Yeah, I kind of get the sense that like they had a plan in place and were like moving towards that. And they're like, OK, let's show off the game. And then when that initial reception was so negative and layered, I think it kind of it it seems from the outside looking in that it kind of forced them to take a step back and say, OK, maybe this isn't as ready as we thought it was. Or for all we know, like maybe there were people on the team who were like, no, man, it's not ready. And they're like, nah, it's good. They're going to love it. It's Halo. And then it didn't yeah. end up, you know, getting received the way they expected. Now, it, um, it's interesting because I think I think visually um, the, a lot was left to be desired, but that initial showing with the combat and kind of going through the different areas and showing you how you might, you know, traverse this open world and here, shoot some grunts here, take this lift up, fight these larger enemies. Here's this new weapon. Here's this grapple hook. I think they showed what they needed. It, and I think we were all pretty excited by it. And then those sort of slowed down images and those zoomed in images of what are the textures here? What's this and that? And that's when you start seeing sort of everything kind of falling apart. And in a way, it, it almost reminds me of how the naysayers feel about Elden Ring when we that we first see that Elden Ring reveal. And to all of us Souls fans who don't care that it doesn't look like the bleeding edge technology because it's a Souls game and that's not why we play them. But then everybody points out, what the fuck? This doesn't look like a this doesn't look like a Last of Us game. This doesn't look like blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, but we're excited about the way it looks and feels. And that's how I feel a lot of us hardcore fans were excited about seeing the campaign and just the way the gameplay worked. But it's the visual stuff that started popping up. And I think it got a little too much <laughs> that it really deserved. But I'm glad that they did take a step back and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, let's go back and fix these issues.
And then um, the last thing I want to ask you before we move on to our next story is what will it take for the Craig meme to die? Or is that just grandfathered in for the uh, rest of time? It's grandfathered in because because 343 has totally like they've they've said, yeah, let's make this a thing. We're going to tweet it out as well. Xbox, Twitter will tweet it out. It's going to become a meme. We're going to have fun with it. Similar to the fridge. Similar to all I can't wait for that fridge to come out. Are you going to get that fridge? I really want that fridge more than I want most of the I want the mini. I definitely want the mini fridge because I've I've definitely wanted one in my room for a while, and I just don't really have a whole lot of room for it. But it seems like dimensions wise, it seems fine. I just love the way Xbox sort of runs with the memes, and uh, you know they don't get too offended over them. They just kind of have fun with it as well, and I think that's what you need in this day and age. <laughs> yeah, they have like a really good lighthearted approach to social media that I feel like only they can pull off, and it mm-hmm. really helps like establish their ethos as like being like friendly and welcoming and like I, you know you could argue you kind of have to be when you're on the like at least for the last generation the like losing side of things but i think they've done a really good job at establishing like that friendly persona like when the um console information leaked and they put up that meme of the little monkey puppet (laughs) i'm like that's so good and then and then that was such a great moment too because i'm like this is such a ridiculous industry where like now like the the really like serious reporting news stuff is just like citing this meme yeah. Like and then, you know, on last evening, you know, like this meme broke <laughs> and it like is so it's just so ridiculous. But um, also, what do you plan to put in the Xbox mini fridge? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's got to be with? hopefully in a couple of days. So what I plan on doing on August 31st is traversing the world and looking for that Mountain Dew Flamin' Hot flavor that I got tagged in about a million times this morning. Uh, Mountain Dew oh, announced no. that they have that a new flame and so hot bad. flavor. No. Uh, Kevin, I'm all in. I'm all in because it's, it's I yeah, spicy. Like the drink is spicy. Boy. I think it's gonna be like. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for a spicy margarita kind of vibe. Uh, like almost I, like um like I a... love a spicy marg vibe. Yeah. Because yeah, some I people said that. maybe it'll have cinnamon in it or something like that. Uh, it'll be sort of a, a cinnamon type of spicy feel. I want it to taste like a spicy lime margarita. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, and that comes out on August 31st. So I'm going to try to get a six pack for myself, keep a six pack in reserve. And when I get that fridge, pop those bad boys in there. Nice. That sounds like a really dangerous evening to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it should be a memorable one, if nothing else. What about uh, you? What do you what do you put in there? Um, Probably beer, honestly. Okay. Like I like to have, or maybe a couple sparkling waters, like some LaCroix. Mm. Um, and for beer, probably like a hazy IPAs or something. Oh, you know maybe what? a couple snacks in there. Maybe like throw a Lunchables box in there. What is it, like a Brita filter right there? Yeah, I'm putting my Brita in there because I always like. That's pretty good. Um, I can uh, never fill that thing up. Like my, I just. My room is chilly enough to keep the water a good enough temperature. Um, and so I don't need to go put it in the fridge. And it also it also takes up a lot of room. And uh, I don't want to yeah. pack up the fridge uh, anymore, you know, so I just kind of have it sitting here. And when I need to refill it, when I need to go wash it out, I just go do that and bring it back. But I would love to have it sort of find a new home here rather than just kind of be displaced on my desk uh, next to my antibacterial and um, some probiotic uh, vitamins, you know? Yeah, I like how so much of like the like hardcore gaming setup is just like re- basic human needs. I'm like, yeah. here's my chapstick and my gum and like my Kleenex <laughs> my and my Aleve. moisturizer and like my, yeah, like just like some aspirin. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's basically a medicine cabinet, really. 
But let's move on to uh, Activision Blizzard allegedly withholding and suppressing evidence. Uh, this comes over from Axios, which headlined uh, their report on it to be uh, California expanding lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. So I kind of um, kits those two like major beats. And this is what they had to say. California has expanded its anti-discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, adding temporary workers to the female full-time employees of whom it is suing on behalf of. The state's Department of Fair Employment and Housing also alleges the game maker has interfered with its investigation. Why it matters. While Activision Blizzard has attempted to show over the past month that it is addressing issues raised in the lawsuit, the DFEH is turning up the heat between the lines. The amended complaint was filed Monday and redefines the group it says was wronged uh, by the gaming giant. A copy reviewed by Axios specifically mentions that California's protection against anti-harassment, equal pay, and other equal employment opportunity protections exist for employees and contingent or temporary workers. Throughout the lawsuit, the word employees has been changed to workers in reference to harassment, sex discrimination regarding pay and other allegations. The DFEH also says Activision Blizzard has stymied its efforts through NDAs, requiring employees to speak with the company ahead of contacting the DFEH and its involvement with Wilmer Hale, a law firm the game maker said will investigate misconduct issues. The suit claims that this directly interferes with the DFEH's ability to, quote, investigate, prosecute and remedy workplace discrimination and harassment violations on behalf of employees and contingent or temporary workers. It alleges in part that documents related to investigations and complaints were shredded by human resource personnel in violation of what it asserts in the game company's legal obligation to retain them pending the investigation. A spokesperson for Activision Blizzard told Axios that the company has, quote, complied with every proper request in support of its review, even when even as we had been implementing reforms to ensure our workplaces are welcoming and safe for every employee. With regards to claims that we have destroyed information by shredding documents, those claims are not true. We took appropriate steps to preserve information relevant to the DFEH investigation, the spokesperson added. We have provided the DFEH with clear evidence that we do not have gender pay or promotion disparities. Our senior leadership is increasingly diverse with a growing number of women in key leadership roles across the company. The big picture. The change comes after stories revealed toxic conditions faced by Activision Blizzard contract workers. Stories shared with Axios from the ABK Workers Alliance, specifically from the Quality Assurance and Customer Service Departments, paint a picture of brutal overtime paired with little pay. As a contract employee, I feel there's a lot of pressure to excel, impress, and move through the ranks as fast as you can before your contract ends and you're forced to go three months without income or find another job, one worker said. I take pride in what I do, but it feels like it's never enough. We suffer from stress, another worker said. We suffer physical ailments. We are overworked and underpaid across the board. Andy. God react. damn. It just keeps on it just keeps on opening up and getting worse and worse. And I think that that's really good for people that are uh, working and being, you know, um, taken advantage of. Uh, I think it starts off with the sexual harassment. And then it turns out that a lot of other workers are saying, hey, actually, a lot more things are actually fucked up about this working place. Here's why. The destroying of evidence, uh, I know that they are declining that, but if, if that's true at all, it seems like they're... I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of employees for Activision actually speaking out and saying, this is so fucked up, we're going to continue fighting this. The idea that that can happen just seems so beyond corrupt what I could have ever imagined. I, I'm. Th this is absolutely wild. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I feel like this story is going to keep on unfolding. We're going to get more and more developments out of it. But it is 
it is not great what is happening over there with Activision Blizzard. Yeah, it's such a serious allegation, like destroying evidence, especially like the the phrasing of like HR being accused of shredding documents. I feel like it really enforces and, you know, you can debate on how accurate this perception is or not. And I think it, it can vary from company to company. But there are a lot of workers who feel like HR is to protect the company first and yeah. foremost and that their interests are not actually for like the human employees, but for the like corporate entities that they're there. And they're just kind of there to seem like here's like where you can go, but it's not necessarily like, you know, enough. And a lot of people have beefs with their HR departments, whether it's because they move very slowly and whether that's intentionally moving very slowly or, you know, whatever the issue might be. So the thought of this being like interwoven with that is just like so disturbing when you think about what HR is supposed to represent. You know, I'm seeing people in the chat and also people on social media, of course, saying uh, someone said HR equals high risks. That's brutal and and can be, I think, accurate in certain in certain cases, unfortunately. But, you know, a lot of people are calling for unionization and, you know, I'm very pro union as well. And I think a lot of workers want that. But uh, again, it's a it is a long process and it's very hard to get unionized. Like there's a reason that most places aren't unionized. And it's because of I mean, even look at um if we scroll back up and like look into the story where they reference, you know, Wilmer Hale, which is like, you know, very much like a union busting situation. Like it, it's not just like, oh, wow, unionize. I never thought of that. Like it's such a long uh, and arduous process. But one of the big standout things to me is like just the fact that they are now including like temp workers. I feel like now they're really they're really fucked because like temp workers are like the worst like treated employee like freelancers temp workers are treated like the worst across the board i feel like everywhere so it's just gonna get crazy i mean it it was always very scary in the short amount of time that i was in game dev wondering if i am gonna laid off if i am gonna get laid off i hope that i have enough savings to hold me off until the next contract until the next place i have to go i hope i have enough money to move and put down a down payment on a or put down the first month's rent on a new apartment in a new city where I might hopefully have to move. And you're constantly sort of battling with that. And there's just so much um, there's just so there's such a sense of like this could be the end. And hopefully the next spot that I'm going to uh, hopefully treats me better, hopefully keeps me on full time. But it is one of those sort of toxic uh, ideas that you are privileged to be in this industry and it is a blessing to be in this industry. So take what you can get. Um, and the idea that, you know, HR is supposed to be there to sort of give you a feeling of, of trust and the idea that any of this can happen, the idea that evidence can be shredded, the idea that uh, HR is also protecting, you know, the interests of the corporate uh, sort of structure up top is really just... We've kind of known these things, but to see it so blatantly out in the open is just really kind of a bummer. And I I hope that the evidence shredding is not true, but I do kind of I will tend to stand with the workers and see what they say on Twitter. And if they are leading towards it being true, that I'm going to believe them for sure. Yeah, it's definitely why I fall online, too. I'm pretty much extremely skeptical of like any corporate statements ever in general, especially like I think it's something like this that's become so heated and so extreme i mean i think we have to like really you know i I feel like everyone is taking in the gravity of the situation but at the same time it's like this isn't you know a 
a few worker complaints, like, a, you know, a small settlement situation. This is the state of California coming down and being like, yo, it's fucked up over here. Like, this is straight up illegal. It's not like, oh, they didn't really treat me well. But, you know, it's kind of great. It's like this is like infringing on like laws and protections that we have in the way that we operate in terms of employment across the board. Um, and yeah, you're right. So many people do have that attitude of, oh, well, like it's it's such a dream job or it's so great. Or like, you know, people try to use these like straw man arguments to say like, oh, well, what about this random unrelated worker oppression happening over here? I'm like, that's fucked up, too. Like, it's all it's all yeah. bad. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad that at least I'm seeing the vibe I get from like somewhat public discourse. So granted, my feeds are obviously curated to see like non head ass takes. But yeah. I, I haven't I've seen a lot of people just be like, wow, this is I feel like it's so crazy. Even the people that are like that tend to be sort of head ass or a little corporate or like, yeah, this is this is wrong because it's, that's how extreme it's gotten. The, why, like what? Yeah, it, it is so sad and annoying to see people say, look, I, I worked in oil rigs and I worked in fucking 3000 hour weeks or whatever it is it's like, OK, well, don't you should also not be doing that. Like, I don't know why you feel proud of being taken advantage of. You shouldn't want anybody to be taken advantage of. Um, I, I just I've never understood that sentiment. And I think a lot of it is just that people are taught to work as hard as they can until they, you know, bust their body down and they're just broken the down American by the dream, age, you know, by the like, age like of the bootstraps, like, yeah, like just if you work really hard like that. And, you know, I think that's that's what stood out so much to me about like these contract workers saying like, you know, I'm working so hard and like it's not enough and I'm stressed and I'm like. You know, I think mentioning too, like the physical element, again, I think a lot of people might scoff at that and be like, oh, like you're just sitting at a desk like it. It hurts like I've, I have written and worked so hard that I feel physical pain and I've had to like struggle to like, do I do I push it a little further or do I pull back because I don't want to get so injured that I can't do my job anymore. Like these are like real things that happen. Like I know so many, you know, on the media side of things like writers and critics that have gotten like carpal tunnel or versions of it just from overworking um and then people will still be like oh like what's the big deal anyway but i feel like we're both on the same page with it but this is just wild and i'm so glad that like axios was able to bring this to light because i feel like it's such a huge development and you know unfortunately a lot of times these kind of stories can get buried when we have stuff like gamescom going on in the background mm -hmm. so you know i thought i would highlight that and again axios required reading it's like one of my favorite places to go every week they have so many like great articles and and they make it very like bullet pointed and succinct and they like it's just very phenomenal wrap ups they have going on over there. Um, moving on to IGN republishing its post on Palestine uh, for this, I'm going to pull from GameIndustry.biz, which like reported on the republishing of the article, which also has like some editorial notes at the top. So I'm going to go ahead and read from their coverage of it. Three months after IGN took down its how to help Palestine post. Um, of charity links, the site has republished it with a number of edits and a note about new editorial policies. The post now headlined a resolution and new IGN policies omits changes, phrases like Palestinian civilians are currently suffering due to Israeli forces in favor of saying civilians are currently suffering. A line about escalations and conflict resulting in a catastrophic loss of Palestinian lives has also been amended to read a tragic loss of Palestinian lives. This how to help article originally posted on May 14th. Yes, <laughs> was taken down shortly due uh, shortly thereafter due to controversial interpretations of the post's intentions and framing, both internally among the IGN staff and externally. A note on the new post reads: An IGN employee counsel, it, with the advice of a third-party ombudsman a, and leadership, are in agreement that the post required adjustments to be more culturally conscientious of our staffs 
and our audience's potential reading. We regret the error in publishing without those adjustments and recognize that our processes failed us. We are also in agreement that instead of taking the post down, we should have updated the post. In connection with the post, IGN also posted newly adopted policies on corrections, updates, and takedowns of content. The site said it now does not unpublish content except in, quote, very rare cases, preferring to use updates and editor's notes instead to correct the record on mistakes. Uh, such notes will need to be approved by the editor-in-chief. Um, so that's kind of the first bit. And I have a couple extra you know, things to pull in. But what is your initial read just on that info and on the update of the post and the republishing of the post? I'm glad that it happened because, honestly, this is one of those things that I had forgotten about. With any, With everything else that has happened in this industry... This is one of those stories that can kind of get forgotten about. And I'm glad that they followed through with it because they could have, I think, very easily not done so. And we would not have remembered it. And hopefully a couple of IGN employees may have spoken out about it. And they that may have brought it to uh, back into sort of our consciousness. But the idea of them doing this, I think, is a very good thing overall. And uh, again, I just feel like this industry can sort of feel like bad news 24 seven uh and something like this i think having the workers say you know we want to be represented a little bit better i think is just very important yeah and for this i want to pull from uh, rebecca valentine who is a uh, news reporter at ign like she had tweeted out um this link and then had like a little a small thread uh and in it she ends by saying before you share your hot take on how long this took please uh reread the contents of both this the editorial autonomy statement and the policies and consider the enormous work many people did and fought for this to get reinstated um and i do obviously want to shout that out because um yeah this was very much like part of even the statement that's like officially published right it mentions like an, an ign employee council like that's only capable with the the will and the efforts of those employees and you know just to kind of like th there's so much that went into this story when you know i know you all talked about it like already uh in past episodes but um you know with the post that went up on medium like the open letter that ign employees did like there have been employees fighting for this like the entire time yep. and it does suck that it took as long but i don't fault that at as like the employees like dragging or whatever and i think sometimes it's it's so difficult to try to like parse that out where it's like you never when you're criticizing like a corporate entity versus like the actual people that work there. Um, and yeah, I just want to, you know, applaud like the employees efforts on getting that pushed and making that happen. Uh, and it's also great to the, see it back up. Also, the fact that this is extra stuff on top of what their normal job is, what their actual real job is reporting. And and I think going that extra mile, um, this is something that could have, again, people could have given up on or maybe have uh, taken easier concessions. But the idea that they kept on fighting is just really important and, and awesome. Yeah. You know, you mentioned like, this is like on top of like your regular job. Um, I would hope that like whoever's part of like the IGN employee console is getting some level of compensation. Cause that is inherently more responsibility. Um, I'm not sure that that's the case, but it would be nice if it was like at least something in there. Um, I think so often like these additional groups or like movements it's it all has to come from the employees and isn't always like directly supported by the company so hopefully ign is like going that extra mile to actively support like this existing and wanting to work on like a more active effort than just like waiting to be reminded to do it um but yeah the post is back up um i will say i one thing i want to touch on is i was looking at the initial statement um that ign employees had posted uh, and again this isn't everyone at the company you can look on medium and has people who signed kind of uh in in acknowledgement of what was mentioned 
uh, in the demands were an all hands meeting that showed that with the IGN upper management and J2 Global and Ziff to get full transparency on the post takedown, asking for management body responsible for the decision to accept the responsibility publicly, um, asking for IGN's editorial authority and autonomy in regards to what publishes to be like noted and recognized, and then finally getting the piece republished. And I'd say based on what we saw with it being republished, they got the republishing. They have at least the statement of um, editorial independence. Again, like, is that going to end up being true? We would we would only know if it wasn't true. So it's kind of right. one of those weird situations. But we'll have to take that as, you know, a win because it's posted up there. And I'd say the only things that maybe didn't really get fully addressed was like the full transparency part of why it was removed. Like it was kind of just said, oh, it it didn't really reflect like, OK, but who's like there's a lot of in between the lines there, I think. Um, the closest thing to responsibility is, uh, as Waypoint Vice reported, Patrick Klepik's reporting, uh, in a memo from like months ago, Per Schneider, which is IGN's chief content officer, took ownership of the decision to remove the charity post, but ultimately blamed, quote, an editorial team process failure for the post to go live in the first place. So it kind of feels like, sorry, not sorry a little bit. And also you could kind of tell like that's, it seems like I'll just say that I'm going to take ownership because of my role in the company rather than what was actually what may have actually went down. But again, that that's always going to be speculative and up in the air. Um, I would say ultimately, you know, the read I get from employees is that they're happy about it and excited about it. And, and they feel like they got a victory in. And I think it's important for that to happen and that to keep happening. And for, you know, IGN employees to be showing leadership in the industry too. And hopefully other companies are like taking note and being like, okay, cool. They're not letting that kind of stuff slide. We're going to continue to also fight for our editorial independence and what we think is right uh, on our side for, and how we go. Yeah, especially for an industry leader like IGN to be able to to do this and and to have the employees fight for it for an outlet as big as, as they are. Like they, they are synonymous with the most non-hardcore of gamers. And the amount of people that have no idea the story was even a thing, I'd say is pretty high. But I think when you have such a name like IGN, you have that clout, you have that notoriety and that sort of, um, you know, whenever anybody mentions, oh, yeah, go to IGN.com for whatever that new trailer came out or whatever. They are so synonymous with what video games are. And for an outlet as big as them to sort of have this happen, I think is just really huge for the industry. Yeah, I mean, it certainly like made such a shock when it went down, I think, especially because like there were other companies that had similar posts and maybe like those were remained. So, yeah, it was uh, it definitely was a morale blow, I think, that was felt across the industry. So hopefully as much as like maybe this isn't the absolute best case scenario in every level, um, it does have elements of wins in it. It is something that the employees asked for and that they ultimately did get. So hopefully this gets like talked about just as much as the other part. And we can kind of get like that full story of things and that we don't see these kind of instances or infractions occur again. Um, because, you know, I think, like you said, you know, it's so important that we can look toward a site like IGN and have that be a place where like the editorial authority of those writing are respected and upheld and everything like that. And again, you know, man, unions, right? Like just across the industry, there's so many, it's, it's the wild, it's the wild west in both media and development, you know? And I think that's what kind of the dark part that unifies us all together in this. But again, a, a win's a win. And it's nice to see that this finally ended up happening because uh, like you said, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about it. And I certainly was wondering, like, I wonder if we're going to hear about this. So to finally get, Info on it um, is so cool and, and so great to see for that staff. Um, before we continue on to our next story, let's go ahead and get a word from our sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by Away. Whether it's just a trip to the grocery store, a weekend away, or an extended stay with your friends or family, we're all stuck navigating the current weirdness of travel. But no matter what you're up to, Away suitcases, bags, and accessories all come in a variety of colors, sizes, and materials to always have your back. I've been a huge fan of Away forever. It's all I travel with. It's my favorite luggage. Uh, once you get it, it transforms your life, transforms your travels experience. So high quality, so beautiful, so aesthetically pleasing. Just a big fan overall. Every suitcase comes with a fancy schmancy interior organization system with a compression pad to help you fit more in, which I've had to do many, many times. Away suitcases also come with the smoothest rolling reels I've ever seen on a suitcase. Honestly, it's fun to just roll it around because it is so smooth. A TSA approved combination lock, a laundry bag. It's literally everything you'll need in a suitcase and more. Start your 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com slash KFGD. That's awaytravel.com slash KFGD. Next up, shout out to Amazon Music. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to, including this show and all of the kind of funny shows. Go check them out. Uh, but it's not just for listening to podcasts. Amazon Music has thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. No matter what you're listening to, you can go hands-free with Alexa. You can get the app and enjoy free listening anywhere on any device. There's no credit card or subscription required. Um, Amazon Music's great. I've been, I've been using it for a while. Love listening to, the, to podcasts. If you've never tried Amazon Music, what are you waiting for? You're going to love it as much as we do. Start listening for free today. Head over to amazon.com slash KFGD. That's amazon.com slash KFGD to stream thousands of music stations and over 10 million podcast episodes for free. Amazon.com slash KFGD. And finally, shout out to DoorDash. Did you forget that one thing at the store? Now you can get snacks, drinks, household essentials in 30 minutes with DoorDash. Dinner? Check. Deodor it? Check. Morning pick-me-up from Dunkin'? Check. Get everything you need whenever you need it with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. I love DoorDash. I've been using it forever, especially uh, during this whole situation we're in, and it's been fantastic. Not needing to worry, not needing to go out places, just boom. Restaurant food, Brian brought right to me. Me and Gia having a great time eating it. For a limited time, you guys can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on the first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code GAMES2021. Uh, for Canadian listeners, use code GAMESCA. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GAMES2021 in the US and GAMESCA in Canada. Don't forget, that's code games 2021 or games CA for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. All right, let's talk about Xbox uh, X Cloud coming to console. This comes over from The Verge, uh, which writes, Microsoft is bringing its Xbox Cloud Gaming X Cloud service to Xbox One and Xbox Series S slash X this holiday. The integration of X Cloud, I mean, there's so many like X's in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just every skew. Uh, the integration of X Cloud will let Xbox owners simply click on uh, click play on an Xbox Game Pass game and stream it immediately, allowing players to try games before they commit to the often hours-long process of downloading big titles. More than 100 Xbox Game Pass titles will be available as part of this initial xCloud integration, and Xbox players will be able to try games as they wait for them to download fully. The xCloud integration also lets Xbox players jump into multiplayer games as soon as friends send an invite, avoiding having to wait for the install to complete. Microsoft will update its Xbox dashboard on Xbox One and Series S slash X consoles to include a cloud icon to show which games can be instantly streamed. 
Much like the rest of Xbox Cloud Gaming, the streams will support up to 1080p and 60fps, so it won't be a replacement for those with 4K TVs just yet. Microsoft is very much marketing this as a try-before-you-download type service. Uh, as this is also arriving on Xbox One, this does mean that Series S slash X exclusive games such as Microsoft Flight Simulator and The Medium will also be available on older Xbox One consoles soon. Microsoft isn't committing to a date for Flight Simulator on xCloud just yet, saying it's, quote, coming in the future. The new xCloud integration will be available for Xbox insiders this fall ahead of the broader release, and Microsoft plans to announce uh, testing details soon. Do you think this is something that you're going to take advantage of instead in lieu of just initially downloading the stuff? I love that they are sort of changing the marketing on this and saying, try before you buy, uh, because yesterday we sort of discussed this after we watched that Xbox Gamescom thing. And I was sort of the one kind of against the excitement because a lot of I think it was Mike and Greg that were saying, like, this should be a really big idea. Everybody should be really excited about this. This is huge news. And for me, it I've never gotten the performance that I've wanted out of xCloud it's always felt too laggy for me um, to ever be sort of a permanent replacement or to even be thought of as, oh, I can game on this in a serious way. And it's always the games we always point to are, are strategy games or turn-based games or, oh, that game doesn't re require a whole lot of like fast twitch muscle responsiveness. I should be, I could play that on xCloud. That's great. And that's always sort of the caveat that you have to always have to throw in where I've tried out Celeste on xCloud and it's never felt great. It's always like that game has to be so yeah, it sounds button like precise. Yeah. Um, but I do love the idea of them saying this is a try before you buy sort of thing. You know, you can try it out on xCloud and play it with your friends online. And sure, it's going to be a bit laggy, but if you are digging the experience at all, then you can fully download it and get the whole kind of experience. Um, I think that's really smart of them. Yeah, what is typically your personal approach to Game Pass? Are you someone that, like, you're really only downloading stuff that you kind of trust and you know you're interested in, like, you know, something like when, when Halo comes out? Or are you someone that, like, peruses and just impulsively downloads stuff that you think is interesting and then you end up uninstalling? Like, what's your relationship with Game Pass? I'm very much that, the second option. Very When, when yeah. it comes to Game Pass, when it comes to the Epic Game Store, um, which we sort of have that press mailer where you just kind of download whatever is available and made available that day. Um, I, I'm that way um, where if there's something that looks cool, if there's a neat description, I'm going to download it and check it out. And I'm, it's very much that sort of passive. Is this going to grab me immediately? No. Okay, cool. Because there's going to be a lot of games that you hear about and talked about by a bunch of different outlets that say this is a must play, a must try. All right, I'll give that the time when it's when it's required. But I see this one little title that nobody's been talking about, and I want to see it, it has a cool name. It has a cool protagonist and the colors are cool. And I love the art design. Let me give this a shot. I'm very much at sort of I'm going to rent this out in a way. <laughs> Let me rent it for an hour or two and give it a shot. My my problem with it, though, um, do you ever play Xbox Game Pass on PC? Sometimes, yeah, I try to the, avoid it. I don't know why the download speeds are so slow on Xbox. I, I don't know what it is about that that app i've already gone into my ethernet settings on my pc and have sort of opened up all the speed available because i we have gigabit internet here and it's very good when i'm downloading anything else except for games on xbox game pass and i have no idea why 
you find yourself leaning then more on console or like what do you where do you go to I just, I honestly, I just kind of wait. Like last night was a, okay, Psychonauts, Psychonauts is going to be one of those things. I'm literally waiting right here. Yeah, but but with Psychonauts, I know that I do not necessarily need to take advantage of 144 hertz, of 240 hertz. I don't need to worry about making it anti-aliased and getting the ambient occlusion right. Those games I will reserve for the console if I don't necessarily care about the graphic, the visual fidelity that much. Because let's be honest, Psychonauts not this visual marvel. We're not we're not playing it like it's this new uh, sort of bleeding edge experience. So that one I'm like I'm gonna download on a PC because I have the the cross saving abilities between my TV back here on the Xbox and the PC with my Xbox Game Pass on PC. Um, let me download it here, but I'll also download it on my console. And shit, I thought the download, I thought the PC download would be slow. The console download took forever. Really? And how I long were you really... waiting for it to install? And how big is the game? I, I, I walked to the store. I walked to the store, came back, and it was finally done. Because it was, it was taking long enough, and then I fired that bad boy up, played Psychonauts for about an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, it, it, I guess it, it all, it's all sort of depending on the genre of game and the, the sort of... Um, is this going to grab me immediately, you know? Yeah, I feel like this is going to revolutionize the way I don't continue with Game Pass. Dude, <laughs> That's oh kind of what game passes, game pass is for me, too. Like, I definitely get excited about, like, the really cool day and date stuff. Like, especially stuff that I'm just, like, interested to try out. Um, yeah. And I maybe don't know if I'll like. So, like, being able to play Outriders for essentially free was really cool. Because I'm like, that's not really my type of game, but I want to check it out. And, like, now I don't have to pay, like, a full retail price for a game that i'm probably only going to play for like a couple hours um but i more often than not am just like i'll just open it and i'm like let's just see where the night takes us and i'll just queue up a bunch of different downloads and jump into them so the ability to skip the queue of the downloads part and just go straight into the jumping into the game um is awesome because like i spend so much time <laughs> installing and then immediately uninstalling um yeah. games from game pass like for me, like, what's the last game that you installed and then you're like, never mind, and immediately like, bounced off of? Oh, I, I, from Game let Pass me, specifically. Let me, let me open up uh, Epic, uh, the Epic Store. But I think one of those could immediately have been because I downloaded Recompile and I really want to try it out because it's yeah, got really how neat was visuals. That? Did you try it? I, I have not tried it yet. It's just been sort of sitting there in the queue with 12 minutes and with Psychonauts 2. And then on the Epic Store side of things, um, Gosh, what's a game that I downloaded and immediately sort of deleted? It's one of those indie games that was on a few indie showcases. Um, Hell is Other Demons is one of them. Stonefly mm. is one of them. Yeah, Olegia. I didn't like Stonefly either. I was Ole like, nah. Olegia is one of them. Um, really? That looked good. Didn't yeah. it? Didn't um, it? I, I just, it didn't grab me immediately. Down in Bermuda was one of those as well. So there's a lot of these sort this of indie like titles. Very... That this sounds very much like this is a very familiar cue to me. Um, <laughs> well, for I, me, I mean, Janet, I I don't want to sort of ruffle any feathers out there in the world of video games, but Axie and Verge Two may become one of those games. Wow, and I that's what I've been the, hearing. I'm one of the biggest fans of Axie and Verge One, and Two is just not it's not doing it for me right now. And I I I think a lot of it is the change away from you know primarily having a projectile based weapon where you're shooting all sorts of different what you know it's like going from contra to going to something completely not contra to just going to i'm melee based only we're swinging things we might throw a boomerang but we are we're swinging and we're hacking 
Um, and I definitely prefer the the shooting of a bunch of different types of weapons in the first video game. I feel like that's a hot take that's cooling very quickly because as soon as the game came out, everyone was like, whoa, wasn't expecting it to come out. And then like a, the vibe I got was a lot of people were like, I thought I would like this more, but I don't. Or like, I don't mm -hmm. like this as much as the first one, uh, you know, which you always hate to see in a sequel because you would you would hope that it'd, it'd be an upward progression. But again, it could just be, you know, a taste thing, too. Maybe there are people that prefer this style to the first one. Um, I haven't played either, so I do want to jump Axiom Verge 2. And yes, it could totally be one of those downloads and initial like deletions for me on Game Pass specifically. I can't even remember the name of the game. I was trying to Google for it. If anyone in chat knows the name of this game, it is a um, it's like a roller coaster ride simulator, but you can also build the coasters. I have no idea what's called. And no, it's not Roller Coaster Tycoon. But I was like, this seems like it'd be fun. Like, you know, it's, it's COVID era. We can't go outside. Let's virtually go. I've been like on a virtual like a uh, coaster amusement park kick lately. Like I also impulse downloaded. Um, no, it's not Planet Coaster or Coaster Tycoon. I also impulse downloaded. Um, why does everyone keep saying Planet Coaster, y'all? It's not Planet Coaster. <laughs> um, I impulse downloaded like the uh, the Disney game too, where it's like it's like a sim uh, of like Disney World. Right. It's so bad. That one's so bad. It like made me feel sick. Like I felt motion sick. Um, someone said Scream Ride. I think you're right. It is Scream Ride. Yes. I'm pretty Crushed sure I got to Google for it, but like, and it was interesting. Like it was interesting and Hey, it didn't cost me nothing, but the time it took to download and now we're shortening that time. So this is going to quicken the speed at which I determine what I'm not going to be playing. There's and so like, many games. Like I, like I loved the 30 minutes to an hour or so that I played of the ascent and I want to dig into that more, but I've heard some bad things about it as well. I want to try out Omno, which is very much up my alley. And everybody's like, dude, Andy, you love the title card hit. Wait till you try out Omno. And it's sort of this little cute dude. It, it looks sort of like a Zelda-like third-person cute little uh, stylized game that a lot of companies will sort of um, resort to if they don't want to spend a shit ton of money on, on like, yeah, you know, uh, super realistic graphics or whatever. But I've heard that Omno is a very, very cool little action platformer. I also want to try out um boyfriend dungeon i want to try out I, like maybe i just fucking play hades again and and go through all of that because that was such a blast there's there's too many video games we're we're in a great time aside from all the other batch that's happening in the industry it's like there's fun things to play and the world burns around yeah. us someone in chat and uh, sorry i don't have the name in front of me because it was like a while ago mentioned like oh so it's playstation now and i think that's such a funny read on it because it's not entirely inaccurate like the idea of like streaming right but i think again to your point earlier like, it's about the marketing and how it's sold. Like, you know, the gaming community on the whole is not really ready to embrace streaming as a primary thing. Because like you mentioned, a lot of times, like, it doesn't have what it needs for the games that you might want to play. So kind of selling it in this different angle, now it has, like, it's kind of repurposing it for something else. It gets people into it as, like, things ideally, you know, progress. Maybe we do reach an era where it's indistinguishable. You wouldn't be able to tell if you were streaming a game or playing something that you had fully downloaded. But until we get there, this is like a great fulcrum for like getting folks into that. And I think Xbox has done such a good job messaging all of its services and getting people excited about its services. Um, yeah, they're just they're just killing it on that front. Um, and speaking of people that are innovating on their own fronts, we have Arcade One Up unveiling a junior line of cabinets. Um, I think they dropped this like yesterday evening, but they have a Pac-Man mini cab, like a little Pac-Man Junior, but not Pac-Man Junior, the game, like a small Pac-Man machine and a Paw Patrol machine. Oh my and gosh. They're so cute. They're so tiny. And it's funny because the Arcade One Up cabinets are already small 
versions of regular cabinets, but this is like even tinier. So like how small the question, how small can they make these cabinets? So where is Ray Narvaez Jr. Get Ray Narvaez Jr. on the line, everybody. He's the biggest Paw Patrol fan. uh, And this is really exciting. Kevin as well, who's an avid collector of these little mini cabs. You're going to get one of these, Kev? Kev, you're going to get one of these? Nah, I like New Line. The, it's so small. Look how tiny yeah. it is. If you're watching the video yeah. version. It's so, it's so small, though. Kevin. Oh, and it's cute because they have the oversized, buttons. The buttons are yeah. oversized, so it's easier to grab. It's That's meant so for ages cute. four to eight, and they have different game modes. They have like super easy, easy, and normal. So they have like, especially specifically in the Pac-Man machine, at least, like you have the option for infinite lives, which like on the low, I'm like, bro, you could add that to the adult cabinet too. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot get past. I'll be honest, y'all. I can't get past like the second blue bur- board, and you know I know it's egregious for people that are like really good at Pac Man, but yeah, it'd be rough, man. Like yeah. I, I just want to see more of the game, but I'm not good enough to keep going. And the Paw Patrol one uh, is adorable too, and they're both um, 36 inches tall, and they include like three games. I think for the Paw Patrol one, they're all like different vert, like Paw Patrol type IPs, and for the Pac Man one, it's Pac Man Dig Dug and Galaga, uh, and they all have that. Like they're also no assembly required, so I'm guessing like. The box is bigger because like the traditional arcade one up like I have one of the cabinets and like the assembly is essentially like putting screwing together like the slab pieces. It's like comes in a very like thin packaging. So I'm, I'm guessing this has even less involved in that. Um, and they're coming out October 15th for the Pac-Man one and October November 15th for the Paw Patrol one. And if you're interested, you can go and like sign up on the website for the alerts and everything because they, they do tend to like sell out or, or run out if you're really passionate about getting that initial drop but i mean well neither of us have kids i don't know is this something that what's your what's your take on this is this cool is this weird uh i mean i think it's cute for people who uh i already saw some people in chat saying oh my kid will love this sort of thing as for me i i collect you know i collect uh these nendoroid figurines and that's about all that i'll sort of collect and it's a very like loose definition of the word collect i'm not trying to get everyone out there i just whenever there's a figurine or character that i care about i'll go for that but when it comes to items like that i just don't really have room i don't have a whole lot of space for them i would love to sort of get shelves on my wall but then i worry about earthquakes i just generally worry a lot about a lot of things you know i spent a lot of time being Andy. concerned mm-hmm. i've had Shopka. shelves my whole my whole life earthquakes yeah. never knock them down <laughs> not 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 the earthquake you're thinking of okay wait hold on <laughs> i want i want to show the the it's um Oh, also, we're wave, five minutes until one, opening night live. Oh, I just want to so. show these new wave toys. Uh, arcades oh. are super small. Wow. They're like one six scale. They're they're. I think they're really cool for display purposes. Like I have them around. Uh, I have a bunch of them that uh, New Wave sent me. Uh, like they also have. This is like the USB. Um, oh shit, Janet! I've been confused. This, I've been confused this whole time. I thought the arcades we saw were these little tiny baby ones no oh no they're like, like yeah, yeah they're yeah. like they're like three feet tall as opposed yeah, to they're three feet tall fucking yeah. oh my yeah. a foot holy For shit like that's, tiny, yeah. tiny these are like tiny 11 people. inches yeah that's really cute that's even cuter than i thought i take it back i want them <laughs> i love them all, right. <laughs> <Want> them all. <laughs> yeah but i think this is like a it's a it's a fun little market for arcade one up to be digging into um and i just like that they you know have cabinets that are fairly affordable and just a little bit easier to to have around um but uh, getting these mini Pac-Man and Paw Patrol cabinets is so far away. If I want to know what's coming to mom and grab shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Did I read that right? Because I don't have the doc up. You did, 
You did. Do, 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 and if yeah. you didn't, I was going to mention it. Yeah. Today we got Darker Skies on PS5, PS4, Series X slash S, uh, and Xbox One. We got Psychonauts 2 on PS4, Xbox Series X, uh, and Xbox One, PC, and Mac. We have Mechsterminator? Sure. Mm-hmm. Munition? Yes, close enough. Xbox One, uh, Murder Mystery Machine, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, Mask of Mist on Xbox Series X slash S, Behind the Frame, The Finest Scenery, PC and Mac, and The Legend of Heroes, Hajimari no Kaseki on PC. Um, do we have any wrongs? If you can pull that up in the doc. And tomorrow's host, uh, just so you know, is going to be on Thursday. We have Greg and Tim. And on Friday, we have Greg and Blessing. Uh, and then coming up next, we're going straight into uh, Gamescom opening night live. But let's check in with those. You're wrong before we sign off. Bander SN says Blastos will be coming to Pokemon Unite but not until September 1st and Charles J says from one I, uh, from opening night live, I keep wanting to say one night only, from opening night live pre-show, Drinkbox announced co-op multiplayer for Nobody Saves the World. Woo! Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward Woo! to that game. Woo! Alright, now it's time for the post-show. We're supporters of the Silver Membership or above on Patreon.com slash no, no, now it's not time for the post-show. Never mind, just kidding. <laughs> until next time, it's been our pleasure to support 